This is Doing Translational Research, a podcast from the Bronfenbrenner Center for Translational Research in the College of Human Ecology at Cornell University. Hello, this is Carl Pillemer. I'm the Executive Director of the Bronfenbrenner Center for Translational Research. I'd like to welcome you to our current installment of Doing Translational Research. Um, and in this series that we talk to people who are trying to merge their research interests with real-world settings and to translate research and research findings out to the general public or to organizations and agencies. Um, and my guest today is Dr. Jennifer Agins. I will say in the interest of full disclosure, she is one of our Braun from Brenner Center colleagues, and so I will call her Jen, if that's all right. Uh, and she is a research associate in the Bronfenbrenner Center and the assistant director of the Program for Research on Youth Development and Engagement, or PRIDE, and we'll be talking about that new center a bit today. Uh, her academic interests lie in the area of translational and applied youth development research and the ways in which out-of-school time activities can foster positive youth development. Uh, her work with PRIDE is focused on building capacity for campus-county partnerships that is, partnerships between researchers at Cornell and 4-H programs across New York State. Her PhD is in Child Study and Human Development from Tufts University. And Jen, welcome to our podcast series. Thank you for having me. So our first question is really kind of a general one. We'd like to let our listeners get a sense of how you'd summarize your own main research interests, so the kind of questions that drive your work or things you're interested in. Um. Thanks. So the the overarching interest for me is how youth programs can support positive development for young people. Um, And that interest stems from my own experience working in and running youth programs where I saw great things happening for young people but couldn't really pick apart why. What am I doing that's making that happen? Or what is this child bringing to the context? Um, So I started doing research on um, youth engagement in out-of-school time And I also started realizing that not a lot of researchers were coming at it from a practitioner perspective. What questions arise from practitioners that researchers can help to answer? This is often the other way around. Um, So I'm also interested in figuring out how to build those connections, how to help researchers see things from a practitioner perspective, and how to help practitioners incorporate research in their work. And what kind of studies or what kind of research are you working on right now in that area? Or what's something you might be working on at present? Um, Right now, I'm sort of multiple facets. I'm working with um, some community organizations who are interested in program evaluation. So I have studies um, mainly focused on the questions that the organizations have about their own work. You know, here are the outcomes that I think are going to happen. Am I seeing the outcomes that I want to see. Um, And then I'm also working with colleagues through the Program for Research on Youth Development and Engagement, PRIDE. I'm working with colleagues on various different studies related to um, the different themes that PRIDE is covering, which, um, to talk a little bit more about PRIDE, um, we have a a sort of unique model of multiple-armed approach to building collaboration, um, one of which is we've brought in four faculty members, each of whom has a unique research interest and a niche that they've developed over the course of their career, and helping each of those faculty members connect with 4-H programs across New York State. And they're each doing it in a different way. So across these four projects, we're learning as an organization what are all the ways that 
we can connect with 4-H? What are the ways to interface with practice? And what lessons can we learn to apply back to help other faculty um, co connect with 4-H? So that's one arm of what Pride is doing. Um, the other ways in which Pride is connecting with practice and, and helping to build these partnerships are through engagement with young people. So we have a Pride Scholars program. Um, I'm teaching a course for the scholars, which involves um, learning about translational research, but they're also embedded in the research labs of those four faculties. So they get some hands-on experience as well as the theoretical. Um, and then we also have a work team of 4-H educators and leaders who um, are interested in connecting more with campus. They, they volunteered to do this, to, to be part of, of what we're doing, um, and to sort of serve as a bridge out to their colleagues. So they're sort of our on-the-ground, front-lines um, faces, and also they can tell us more about what it's really like or, or what are the conditions that we need to work with um, in the community. So they're extremely helpful in figuring out how are we going to do those research projects with the faculty, but also um, what resources and tools are needed in general to create better bridges between campus and county. So that's really exciting because when we talk about translational research, we sometimes tend to forget that one of the main things that we need to, to do is to create environments in which people can come together and interact. Uh, as a little bit of background, since not all of our listeners are going to be familiar, can you just say a brief word about the 4-H program? We have touched on that in other podcasts, but to make sure people know what it is, because it is uh, the Pride Center's main community partner with whom it does translational activities. Sure. So 4-H is part of the Cooperative Extension System, which is a national system for helping to connect research that happens in land-grant universities to the communities um, in their state. So 4-H is the youth development arm of the Cooperative Extension System, and as such, it's the largest youth development program in the country. Um, it exists in every county across the country. Uh, so in New York State, that includes New York City, and as, as well as um, more rural counties. And um, the programs are, are delivered in multiple ways. So um, I had a 4-H educator telling me yesterday, actually, that the hardest question she's ever been asked is, what is 4-H? Um, because it can be delivered in community clubs where kids meet to do sort of self-directed projects. Um, it can be delivered as an after-school program where kids might um, stay late after school to do certain curricula around, say, robotics or agri-science, um, the topics that they cover range extremely widely, um, and really uh, students can, um, youth who are part of 4-H can really sort of choose their own path within, within the program mm -hmm. and um, find areas to dig more deeply into. Great. So a big topic in these podcasts is how people engage with community partners or with community agencies. Uh, often that's one of the most challenging things for researchers. Often the people that we talk to have done this, you know, just a little bit, but it's actually at the core of what you're doing and what uh, the center's doing. Then why don't we start though, with the challenges? As someone who's trying not only to work with uh, community youth organizations yourself, but is also trying to pave the way for faculty to do it, what are some of the challenges you see in doing this kind of translational work with community partners? I think the biggest challenge is that the incentive structure, both for faculty and for community partners, is not set up to support research partnerships. So 
on the faculty side, there's incentive to publish a lot of articles, to spend a lot of time teaching and, and developing service to the university, but there's not an explicit expectation that you'll work with the community outside of the university. So faculty have to sort of extend themselves of their own will uh, into the community and to say, this is something that I'm passionate about, even though it's not explicitly part of what I have to do. Um, and on the community side, while they might have a grant that requires that they report out certain out certain outcomes or have a certain level of evaluation, um, developing a brand new project around a research question or working with a faculty member who might have a question that they hadn't really considered before but is relevant to their community, um, it's not necessarily part of the time that they have scheduled into their day, either for their students to take a survey or for their staff to coordinate anything. So uh, the biggest challenge is that there needs to be an additional level of support, which is what Pride is trying to provide. Pride is really trying to um, help smooth the, the, the struggles there so that you know, a faculty member doesn't have time necessarily to go out to the counties. That's something I'm doing. Um, and folks in the counties don't necessarily have time to read through all of the research literature. That's something we're doing. So we're synthesizing literature for the counties so that they can learn this is what's happening. Um, we're creating in the 4-H newsletter in New York State, we have a research news section and it's featuring different things both that are happening on campus. So we feature research from Pride faculty and from other faculty at Cornell, but we also feature um, things that are happening across the country and, and across the world in youth development that we think will be relevant to the communities that we're working with. So it kind of uh, creates a research-friendly environment or atmosphere um, from a number of different levels. Because I hadn't actually thought of that, that by helping uh, individuals who are doing direct service with youth to understand some of these basic research findings in non-technical terms, I would think would be empowering for them and they can talk to researchers more easily. And also, if I can put it this way, uh, the hand-holding for faculty, who I myself have seen can sometimes go out to community partners and alienate them with very rigid demands or not develop relationships. So I, I, I now see that this works in both directions, which is really a great thing. Yeah, and one of the things that we've really tried to do through Pride is to not create anything without asking first, what is the problem and what solutions do you want us to provide? So one of the things that we were hearing from 4-H practitioners when we started talking with them is that they know that there's youth development work happening on campus, but not necessarily what it is, how to access the researchers, you know, do I just call someone on the phone? It's unclear how to even initiate a research partnership. So um, by creating this research news section, we're, we wanna just expose people to, here's what's going on, and if something's interesting to you, here's how to get involved. Um, yeah, because all of those seem like things that other places could replicate. Um, I'd like to come back, because we sometimes aren't always linear in these podcasts, to something you'd mentioned earlier. Uh, you mentioned that some of your own work was on the importance of out-of-school time. And I know this would be a topic of a whole other podcast, but can you tell us a little bit of why out-of-school time is so critical? Yeah. Um, so school time obviously takes up a considerable portion of a young person's day. But between the end of school and when a young person goes to sleep, there's also a considerable number of hours. And many young people in this country are participating in at least one, but often three to five um, after-school activities throughout their week. And in the summer, if they're participating in summer camps, there's even more hours in out-of-school time. Mm -hmm. um, so just from a sheer proportion of the young person's life that's spent in these contexts, it's really important that they be... Um, 
you know, supporting positive youth development, that these are contexts with um, good role models and mentors as leaders, where peer relationships can form, where young people can develop voice and life skills and leadership qualities. So, um, you know, school has certain outcomes that it's trying to promote, which include academic learning and, and all these things. And there's so many other things that young people need to be a thriving member of society that out-of-school time programs are working to promote. Um, and bringing research evidence to that world, which people might not think of doing, sounds really critical. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. Um, you know, but let me ask you, as you think in general about this whole area, about the work you're doing with Pride and your own research area more broadly in after-school uh, or in out-of-school activities, um, are there one or two or three things that you would really like the general public to understand about it? You know, that is, is there something of the work you do that us ordinary citizens, it would be especially useful for us to know? I think if we're thinking on the big picture level, one important thing for, for ordinary citizens, researchers, and practitioners to think about is that we currently have a climate where there's some broad distrust of research in our society, and there's also a strong emphasis on evidence-based programming and practices in terms of funding for um, youth programs. So there's there's a tension there. And I think one of the ways that we all need to work to overcome this is that we need to understand that research has a lot to offer and practice has a lot to offer. And by building partnerships, which is what Pride is trying to do and what my work is trying to understand, by building partnerships between researchers and practitioners, we can maximize on the on what both of these things have to offer. Um, so programs can be more evidence-based and have more connection to the literature and the research, but the research can also be more closely tied to what's happening on the ground. Yeah, I think that is really what we're all about here, and I think it's the wave of the future. And I think you can overcome this kind of two cultures problems by the kind of thing you're doing. Well, our last question is the big picture one. Uh, and it's, uh, if you think about all the work uh, that you're doing, if there were one particular real world change that you could make that's based on the research work you've been doing, um, what would that be and why? Is there something, if you could wave a magic wand in this whole area of youth development or youth issues based on the research work you would like to see happen? Um, I think if I could wave a magic wand, I would want more support for these partnerships um, on institutional levels, on funding levels. Um, you know, it, it costs additional time and additional money to create these partnerships, and that's not something that both programs and researchers, which are often on uh, grant money and on tight budgets, understaffed, there's not a lot of capacity for building partnerships. And um, Pride is trying to develop tools and systems to support that capacity and, and make it easier, um, but we can't do it alone. We need support from funders and from people running programs and from um, institutions like universities to recognize that these partnerships are essential for um, making sure that the research is um, going to be relevant to practice and also that it's tied to what's happening uh, in the real world, and that the practice is also improved to support the well-being of young people. Well, I can't think of a better way to conclude a podcast that really fits with the spirit of the doing translational research idea. So we've been talking with Dr. Jen Agins, and Jen, um, many thanks for coming. I'm sure we will be doing future podcasts in this series 
uh, involving Pride's work, so it's likely you'll be joining us again. So thanks for being with us. Thank you, Carl. For more information about translational research or the work of the Bronfenbrenner Center, please visit www.bctr.cornell.edu.